，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Taiwan has confirmed that President Tsai Ing-wen will make a 10-day state visit to Central America starting next Wednesday. Tsai will tour Guatemala and Belize, but will not stop in Honduras. She will also make two transit stops in the U.S. Previously, the Financial Times reported that Tsai would be meeting U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in Los Angeles. On Tuesday, Taiwan officials declined to confirm the meeting, saying that discussions with the U.S. were still ongoing. President Tsai refuses to engage with a question about her state trip, but on Tuesday, the presidential office finally confirmed rumors of a Central American tour. Tsai is scheduled to depart on March 29th and arrive in the U.S. in New York that same day. She will then fly on to Guatemala and Belize. On her return, she will have a stopover in the U.S. again in Los Angeles. The 10-day itinerary completely overlaps with Ma Ying-jeou's trip to China, which starts two days before Tsai's. Both Tsai and Ma will return to Taiwan on April 7th. Observers wonder if the two are competing for media attention. Ma Ying-jeou. Former President Ma is visiting China to worship his ancestors, and our head of state is touring our diplomatic allies. The nature of the visits is different. Letting Taiwan interact with the world directly and present itself to the world in the name of freedom and democracy is President Tsai's long-standing position. On previous state visits, Tsai met with media representatives within Taiwan's allied nations, but this time around. A media event could be held in the U.S. instead. The full itinerary released by the presidential office is as follows: Tsai will set off on March 29th in transit in New York. She'll then travel to Guatemala on April 1st. There, she'll sit with President Alejandro Giamatti and visit the Mayan ruins at Tikal National Park. She will also preside over an equipment donation ceremony for a hospital built in cooperation with Taiwan. On April 3rd, Tsai will head to Belize. There, she'll meet top government officials, give a speech at the National Assembly, and inspect projects launched in collaboration with Taiwan. Tsai will then head back to Taiwan, making a second U.S. transit on April 5th. The itinerary does not include a stop in Taiwan's third Central American ally, Honduras, which recently announced plans to cut ties with Taiwan. We have not yet reached a consensus with Honduras, so we decided that this is not a good time for the president to visit the country. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs did not confirm or deny reports about a potential meeting between Tsai and U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. It also remained mum on whether Tsai would deliver a public address in the U.S. Former Trump security adviser Robert O'Brien is in Taiwan this week with a delegation. After landing on Monday, he was received at the presidential office Tuesday afternoon. President Tsai presented him with the Order of Brilliant Star with special grand cordon in recognition of his contributions to Taiwan-U.S. relations. 
Ambassador O'Brien led the White House National Security Council, successfully promoting the visit of cabinet officials to Taiwan, the declassification of the six assurances, and deepening Taiwan-U.S. economic and trade cooperation, creating important milestones for Taiwan-U.S. relations. We got $18 billion in arms sales approved for Taiwan, and we need to get those systems delivered now and not wait for them. President Biden has said four times publicly that if Taiwan is attacked, America will stand by Taiwan. Now, for Lomri and me, this is personal because our two daughters both serve as young officers in the United States Armed Forces. Now, let me be very clear because I want to make this statement so that the, those who would twist our words and engage in propaganda and misinformation can't do so. America is not attempting to change the status quo with respect to Taiwan. O'Brien currently works at the Global Taiwan Institute, a Washington think tank. During his stay in Taiwan, he'll meet with officials from the Ministry of National Defense, the Mainland Affairs Council, and representatives from both the ruling and opposition parties. The controversy continues over a planned trip to China by former President Ma Ying-jeou. The former head of state will be referred to as Mr. Ma during his visit without mention of his former position as head of state. In addition, reports say that his accompanying personnel won't be allowed to carry weapons on the trip. In response, Taiwan's premier said that the relevant units were coordinating over security and that they would do everything possible to ensure Ma's safety. Ma Ying-jeou will be Taiwan's first retired president to visit China, but across the strait he will not be addressed by his title. Instead, he'll be referred to as Mr. Ma. We hope that he can still uphold the dignity and sovereignty of our country during the trip. President Ma is not just Mr. Ma, he is a former head of state. His behavior and actions will be watched closely. The unification campaign waged by the mainland is completely unscrupulous, so we must remind former President Ma that he is in fact our former president. All of his movements in the mainland will be scrutinized by everyone. We wouldn't want him to be belittled. And the controversy doesn't stop at Ma's form of address. Reports say China is prohibiting his entourage from carrying weapons. Ma Ying-jeou is just timid in the face of China. Are we to do everything that China says? According to reports, China demanded that his people not be armed. If that is so, ensuring his safety would be more difficult. The relevant agencies are still coordinating the matter with China. Back when former Vice President Lian Zhan visited mainland China, he had the National Security Bureau and his entourage was even allowed to carry guns. We hope that mainland China will follow precedent. The questionable protocol has sparked concern from both government officials and the general public. Calls are rising for Ma to maintain Taiwan's dignity during his tour. Germany's Minister of Education has landed in Taiwan, becoming the first German minister to visit in 26 years. On the first day of her stay, Minister Bettina Stark-Watzinger signed a Science and Technology Cooperation Agreement with Taiwan. I'm very happy to be here. It is a great pleasure and honor for me to be the first minister heading a specialist government department to visit Taiwan for 26 years. Taiwan with its excellent research institutions, is a highly esteemed partner. Twelve hours of non-stop flight. The German delegation is now in a totally different time zone. 
<laughs> so that I think it's proper and fitting to say time has changed. I have this honor to witness what happened today. It's the first step you just made to deep the relationship between Germany and Taiwan, making decisions. And it wasn't difficult, it wasn't easy. The science and tech agreement paves the way for more collaboration in areas like artificial intelligence, semiconductors, integrated circuit design, green hydrogen, and talent cultivation. A new backup care truck is the latest enhancement to the Taoyuan Fire Department. The truck is designed to support firefighters on a break from an emergency mission. It provides enhanced washing facilities, provisions, and comfortable resting spots. The first of its kind in Taiwan, the 4 million NT truck was acquired through a donation. Firefighters say it will save them lives and conduct their work more smoothly as they make better use of their energy. Two firefighters stand by the truck. One washes equipment while the other washes his hands. Alongside the washing facilities, there's a toilet just behind the driver's seat. There's also a bar with water and supplies. It looks a lot like a camper van, but this is the fire department's backup care truck. When we were out on rescue missions in the past, we just rested whenever we could. Now with this truck, you can lie down comfortably in a chair, and there are lots of supplies, so we can drink water and get some rest. I think it will make our rescue missions go more smoothly and help us conserve our energy. A firefighting mission can be a battle with the flame. A long and exhausting mission is an arduous physical test. Now, Taoyuan Fire Department has been given this backup care truck, the first of its kind in Taiwan. The truck is worth 4 million NT. It has a supply station, washing facilities, a table and chairs, and a tent to rest in. In a level 2 fire, which means the emergency was assessed to be a long-duration rescue mission, then we will deploy this kind of fire truck to arrive at the scene and set up so that our colleagues who are resting on rotation can have a better environment to rest in. The new truck will be deployed to any emergency situation which looks like it will take a long time to get under control. It will enable firefighters to rest properly and preserve their energy to do their job as best they can. The disease known as Mpox is continuing to spread with four new cases reported on Tuesday, three domestic and one imported. To date, Taiwan has had 16 confirmed cases of Mpox, formerly known as monkeypox. Symptoms include fever, nasal congestion, headache, fatigue, as well as rashes, mouth ulcers, blisters and postules. We have identified a total of 14 high-risk contacts, including six cohabitants and eight non-cohabitants. Five of them have been approved for a vaccine, and they themselves are willing to get vaccinated. We will arrange for them to receive it. The Taiwan CDC has launched a registration platform for the Mpox vaccine. One hospital in each of the six special municipalities will administer vaccinations to combat the outbreak. The Top 100 Global Innovators Award Ceremony took place on Monday with 11 Taiwan institutions making the list. Winners included TSMC, Honghai and Winbon Electronics as well as the Industrial Technology Research Institution or ITRI. 
Taiwan ranked third in the world, and the Itri won the award for the seventh year running. 连续六年第七次获奖的工研院，我有请刘文雄院长。Etri President Edwin Neal crosses the stage to collect a Top 100 Global Innovators Award. This is the seventh time that Etri has won the award. All of these efforts are aimed at increasing the added value of our patents. The organizer assess patent data to spotlight global institutions excelling in intellectual property commercialization through research and development. Etri performed well in numerous indicators. Several of its patents received citations from third parties, including Japan's Semiconductor Energy Laboratory, South Korea's Samsung, and Apple in the U.S. Our intellectual property strategy follows the 2030 roadmap. We have established a so-called IP bank. Through this proactive approach, we're using these patents for strategic entries in the market. In addition, we have also set up what's called intangible asset financing. Liu stressed the importance of turning patents into strategic assets for businesses entering the market. Besides Etri, a memory chip maker was also named a top 100 global innovator for the first time, underscoring the R&D prowess of Taiwan's private sector. Our product lineup is very comprehensive. We have been granted a large number of patents in countries around the world. Only through continuous innovation can we maintain the company's spirit of sustainability. Taiwan so small. Taiwan is so small and has no natural resources. So R&D and innovation are very important to Taiwan's international competitiveness. We very much encourage such innovation by businesses, and the government provides relevant resources to assist. This year, the top. 100 Global Innovator Award was given to 11 Taiwan-based companies, the most in history. Taiwan ranked third in the world, showcasing the innovation and strength of its industries. Taiwan is a country rich in craftspeople and traditional material cultures. Today, we meet one of Taiwan's most highly skilled artifact restorers. Han Keshun is an artifact restorer who specializes in welding. She previously worked at the world-famous Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, as well as Qimei Museum in Tainan. Now she's completing further training to get her welding even more finely honed. Visor on and welding torch in hand. Welding is normally used to bind metal tools together, but here it's being used to repair historical artifacts. It's like being an artifact doctor, so we really have to understand the object's past as well as its current incarnation, how it was produced and used, and why it has developed the issue we see today. Han Keshun studied at Tainan National University of the Arts at the Graduate Institute of Preservation of Cultural Relics, and previously worked at Qimei Museum. She wanted to hone her metal repair skills, so she went to study conservation and restoration of cultural heritage at the University of Am. Amsterdam. After becoming the first ever Taiwanese person to work as an artifact restorer at the prestigious Rijksmuseum in the Netherlands, she returned to Taiwan for a 600-hour welding training to keep improving her skills with all different types of materials. Nowadays, restoration is transdisciplinary. It requires a lot of scientific analysis, understanding of the materials and their composition, and traditional manufacturing techniques. 
When I first started this course, I was saying to the teacher every day, "My hand hurts." Every day when I finished welding, my hand was shaking. Welding produces smoke and dust as well as a lot of noise. She manages to overcome this very harsh and tough environment. Han keeps at the job and continuously looks for new ways to expand her professional repertoire. The cultural relics in her hands will find new longevity and last to inspire another generation. The pandemic caused major havoc in the wedding industry, but now that we're back to something approaching normal, wedding bells are ringing. More and more couples are planning weddings as 2023 goes on. But with inflation running high, lots of couples want to find ways to keep to a tighter budget. A recent survey found clear trends for cost cutting, especially among younger couples. Some go for a small banquet just for close friends and family. Others cut back on extravagant gifts, but certain pricey items are not up for discussion. As the pandemic recedes behind us, wedding bells ring louder and louder. Wedding banquet halls are booked up months in advance. We've recovered a lot of our banquet clients who had to postpone, so we're starting to have movement in the clientele. But as inflation spirals, the cost of a wedding is rising too. Lots of catering ingredients have soared in price. For example, pork and beef are up 30 or 40 percent, and by the same token, labor costs have grown enormously. We have also dared to put our prices up a little by about five percent. A survey by a wedding planning platform found that the average wedding banquet table has gone up in price by 20 percent. Couples are looking at their guest lists more carefully than ever. Among the under 34 age group, almost 40 percent are choosing a small family-style banquet of just six tables or less. That's a way to save money. And as the cost of living grows, wedding banquets have become a hot topic. Right now, because of inflation or the rising cost of certain goods, when couples get married, they might want to take more advantage of the discounts and promotions of wedding planning platforms. Or they might, for example, trim down the list of people to send wedding pastries or make some savings on the wedding favors. The survey found that although smaller weddings are on the up, certain items are still considered essential. The cost of bridal photography and wedding rings is rising, but cutting them is not on the cards for most couples. Today, we meet an artist from Hualien who's bringing color to streets all over the county. Xie Zhonghui studied Western art at Technical College and specializes in outdoor murals. Recently, he livened up the streets of Jiali Village with a striking row of portraits of world figures, including Eileen Chang and Vincent Van Gogh. Now, age 62, he's brought his brush to many of Hualien's most picturesque towns. A row of colorful paintings adorn a village wall. They give locals reason to enjoy the walk to work and attract lots of admiring tourists. Lots of fresh, bright, and beautiful paintings, and it's brought lots of tourists here. I think it's a great place. Hualien artist Xie Zhonghui is an expert in wall murals. He studied Western art at Technical College, but found other forms of work after graduation. It's hard to make a living as an artist. For a time, he worked as a tour guide. Later, a travel hostel asked him if he would paint them a mural, and it was time to take up the paintbrush again. I wanted to find a way to bring this old building back to life. I painted 25 famous people from around the world on the wall. 
philosophers, writers, scientists, and artists. In recent years, Xie has become particularly interested in public art. He painted a mural of racial harmony in Ji'an Miaopu Park and an underwater world outside homes in Xincheng Township's Jiali Village. In the field of public arts, we can truly display the beauty of Hualien, including all the different ethnicities here, and introduce them in vivid detail to our tourists. Now in his seventh decade, Xie is stepping out into his most public work yet. He plans to keep painting as long as he can to bring out the beauty of Hualien for locals as well as visitors. It's the first day of spring and Taiwan kicked off the season with high temperatures above 30 degrees. But the warm weather won't last long. An incoming front will sweep in with showers starting Thursday, drenching the island over the weekend. Over in the south, the rains will be concentrated mostly over the mountains, offering little relief to the local water shortage. In northern Taiwan, it's short sleeves and light clothes as the sun hangs high in the sky. The CWB says pleasant weather will also prevail on Wednesday, which is set to be even warmer. Temps could reach 32 degrees in northern Taiwan, with a high chance of afternoon showers. Over in central and eastern Taiwan, highs of 34 degrees are expected. But this spell of warm weather is set to end on Thursday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, will be the warmest day of the week. In Taidong, highs are set to reach 34 degrees, and the area could experience fern winds. On Thursday and Friday, an approaching front will bring intermittent showers to the north and east, as well as to Jinmen and Mazu. The first spring rains are on their way. On Thursday and Friday, a front from the north will bring brief rains to the north and east. From the weekend to Monday, a cloud system from southern China will move in, just as the northeasterlies bear down. That could bring rain to the northern half of the island and the east coast, as well as mountainous areas in the south. There's a chance of intermittent showers across Taiwan, although water shortages are expected to remain in the south. Over the weekend, southern Taiwan will most likely just see rains in mountainous areas, so it is unlikely that the rains will resolve the water shortage. There needs to be several ways of rainy weather in the catchment areas of the reservoirs before the situation can improve. As of 11 a.m. Tuesday, water levels at Kaohsiung's Agongtian Reservoir stood at just 36 percent capacity. They were even lower at Jiayi's Zinwen Reservoir, which was at less than 10 percent capacity. Forecasters say relief won't arrive until late March. Until then, residents of southern Taiwan are advised to conserve water.